Faith Promisers, grab you a seat. Welcome, welcome to Faith Promise from Campbell County to Anderson County, North Knoxville, Blount County, our internet campus, Pellissippi campus, or a campus coming near you soon. I was glad when they said, let us go into the house of God. Is anybody glad to be in God's house? I hope that you are ready for the Word of God this weekend because we are going to go on a roller coaster ride. It is great to see you. I love you so much. I love worshiping God. I just love this family. It's just been thrilling to, to, to be with you this weekend, literally across all of our campuses. It's exciting uh, to love God with you. Uh, every campus is growing. Every campus is growing in spirit and in number. More people are stepping into leadership. More people are being saved. More folks are being baptized. And it's really a great season at, in the Life of Faith Promise Church. It's just really fun. We're in a, in a series right now called Love Starts Here. And I've gotten tons of emails and pictures. So please keep sending those of, of ministry that your small group or you are doing uh, in this Love Start, Starts Here series. We're going to use a ton of those pictures in two weekends. So if you'll keep sending that uh, to us or Pastor Brad, we're going to compile all those and sort of do a montage. Again, whether you're serving as a family or an individual or, you, or your small group is serving. If your small group hasn't done anything, tell your, your small group leader, hey, I'll find us a place. Let's, let's one, one week fold our Bibles and let's, man, let's go out there and let's be the hands and feet of Jesus. We can't do everything, but we can do something. Amen? All of us. I mean, we can't. Again, amen. Give him some praise. So... Again, love starts right here when we make a decision. So before we, before we dive even more into the Word of God this weekend, let's, let's learn how to unleash some love by a sweet little lady named Lola. Listen, when you're at Jamaica, what comes to mind? A tropical retreat to escape the noise? The soothing sound of an ocean tide washing on the beach? Or those drinks with the little umbrellas? Missing from the beachfront resort are an unheard people living in darkness without hope for the future. To be born deaf in Jamaica is a life sentence of brokenness and poverty, often a result of being abandoned by the very people that are supposed to love the most. Unemployment is high for islanders. Still 99% of the deaf have no job and little chance of ever getting one. How can anyone hope to survive? Who should they turn to for help? Her name is Lola. A woman with an ear for God's voice and a love for his people. After graduating seminary, she understood her calling to ministry, but was not ready to hear where he would lead her. God called her to teach. In a school for the deaf, she did not know sign language. She was overqualified, not prepared. It was not long before she was the principal of the school, then the director of education. While still working at the deaf school, God shared another need, 
to help a graduating woman transitioning from school into the workforce. She gave her the name Genesis Program, a place for a new beginning. And again, Lola listened. She opened her home to a young woman and began giving them a place to feel cared for and loved. When you asked Lola how or why she did all of these amazing things, the only answer you would receive is a silent smile with a look from her soft eyes, as if she was asking, is this not how Christ's followers are supposed to live? If we spent just a little more time listening, obedience would not be the chore we make it out to be in our lives. All that our unspeakable God needs is a person willing to do what he says. Are you listening? It may not be about ministering to the deaf in Jamaica or starving children in Africa, but there are plenty of opportunities to love where we are right now. Lola listened to God, and more lives have been changed than she ever thought possible. One life is changing Jamaica forever. How many more can be changed by a church willing to act? Believing God's love is most powerful, life-changing, sin-defeating love starts with us. What are we waiting for? Love starts here. Isn't that amazing? Man, come on. Wow. You can pray for Lola. Also, we have a young adult couple that's left our church and lives in that deaf village in Jamaica, the Bukamas, and serve there, teach there, lead. Uh, you've also helped build a, a convention center there. As you saw a lot of a lot of economy, a lot of ways where when the when the deaf graduate from high school that they can actually be employed. And so, so it's not about giving a handout. It's literally about giving those folks a hand up. And so really cool what's going on there. It's amazing. See, we do what we can do, and we let God do what God can do. We serve where God opens the door, and then we let God, and God do what only God can do. And really what we want to do is allow God to lose his love through us. And so let me tell you this part of the secret. I believe this is Lola's secret and so many others that have served. Lola lived her life in or actually on purpose. Would you guys agree, if I mean, think about it, most Christians don't live their life on purpose? You see, this is the deal. When you don't have a purpose or a vision, the Scripture says that, that, that without a vision, the people perish or they're unrestrained. When you wake up and do the same thing you did before and before and before, when there's no purpose, there's no vision, you lose energy and passion, you fall into defeat, depression. It's just a horrible deal. But when you, have a, when you wake up every day knowing I'm going to be a miracle for someone else, I'm going to serve someone else, I'm going to, I'm going to have, be an opportunity to make a difference today, it gives you life and passion. See, Lola made a deliberate decision that she was going to love others in the name of Jesus. And when you make the decision that you are a deliberate decision that you're going to be the hands and feet of Jesus, God will open the door for you to do great things. But if we don't make that decision, we will be, like so many others, we will be passers-by. We just committed at Faith Promise. If you're new, we've committed that we're not going to be passers-by here. 
And we've done enough trickery around here that you guys have caught on to that. But, you know, probably 10 years ago, I preached out of Luke 10, which we're going to in a minute, the Good Samaritan. And we had a guy parked at the, all the way at the bottom of the hill to Pellissippi campus. We only had one campus back then. Pull, pull on the side of the road, scruffy looking, and uh, nobody stopped to help him. Literally, he broke in. It was a setup, but he broke up in the, broke in the middle of the sermon and said, I was at the bottom of the hill. There's nobody here that cares. About five years ago, we had a homeless guy dressed up. He wasn't homeless, but he was ministers to homeless, dressed up, and he was out front eating out of a garbage bag at the Pellissippi campus. Tons of people stopped to help. Tons of people invited him. So you guys have caught on. But if you're, if, you, if you're brand new, we've just committed a faith promise. We're not going to be passers-by to people in need. Amen, church? Amen. Come on. That's what we've decided. Deliberate decision. I got an email of a gentleman that uh, attends one of our campuses. And come, during this series, just made a commitment. Hey, I'm not going to be a passerby anymore. And early this week, driving down the interstate on his way to work, saw a senior adult lady on the side of the road with a flat tire. Well, we can't pass by that, right, church? So he pulls over and stops, finds out that the lady's husband had passed away. She had never changed a flat tire, and she was stuck. So he said, no problem, I'll get you. So he changed the flat tire, said, now you, this little donut is not, you know, you don't go very fast or very far, so you need to get this back to the dealership and get it changed. He said, my husband died. I've never been to the dealership. I don't even know where it is. He said, well, follow me. I'll take you. So goes. The lady calls her daughter. Her daughter meets her there at the dealership, and he makes the, the faith promise guy, makes sure everything's okay. As he got to leave, the mother and the daughter said this. Are you ready? You're a godsend. Every one of us can be a godsend. Can't we? Can't we, can't we all be a godsend? Man, Absolutely. And so one of the things I pray often is, God, I want to be a tool that you can use, not a tool, but a tool for God. Now, if you're a, uh, you know, if you're a young adult, you get that. If you're not, you don't want to get that. But, but I'd say, you know, God, I want to be a tool up on the top shelf ready for you to take out and use anytime you want. So if you're going to be a tool for God, then you've got to be ready. You've got to make a deliberate decision You've got to live your life on purpose. That God, when you open the door, I'm ready. When you when, when want me, I'm ready. People ask me, you know, Pastor, how do you stay so pumped? How do you always stay so fired up? My energy and passion comes from living on purpose. I'm reading a great new book that one of my mentors I've had since 1991, John Maxwell, the world's number one guru in leadership, close friend and a mentor, gave me his newest book called Intentional Living. It's a great book to read. So maybe your first book you want to read for 2016 in your personal growth plan, but it's a great, it's a, it's a great book. And see, you don't accidentally fall into ministry. You don't by default end up serving and loving and caring for others. That's a deliberate decision that you've got to make. It's a decision that you've got to say, hey, I'm going to love, I'm going to serve, I'm going to care for people. It's, it's on purpose. Love starts here with a deliberate decision to care and love for other people. Do y'all believe that? Now, last weekend, I mentioned the Good Samaritan in Luke chapter 10. So let's take a little closer look into that drama, the video that Jesus creates for us. And in this video, there are four major players. Now, what I want you to do is we walk through the four players in this video that Jesus creates for us. I want to ask you which player that you are. Which role do you fill? So let's look at verse 30, Luke 10. And player number one, and Jesus 
replied and said. Now, let's get a context. So a text without a context is a pretext. What is Jesus dealing with? A religious leader has asked Jesus the greatest commandment. To which you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and body. Deuteronomy chapter 6. And you will love your neighbor as yourself. And, and, and so, the, the, so the, the lawyer, which is not a lawyer like we know. He's a lawyer that was expert in the Old Testament said that he wanted to be justified. Ask a question that he was very, very sorry that he asked. Have you ever asked a question you really didn't want the answer to? Like, how you doing? You don't want the answer to that. It's just you ask that. And so Jesus, he, he says, then if I'm to love a neighbor as myself, who is my neighbor? And Jesus replies to that question and said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among robbers and they stripped him and beat him and went away leaving him half dead. Now, would you agree with me that that's a really bad day? No question. That's a bad day. So he started out great, ends up horribly. Now, so this is player number one in our drama. I believe every one of us have played or will play the role of number one. Have you ever been sick? You ever lost someone you loved? Have you ever been broke? Have you ever been on the side of the road? For a large portion of my life, I was poor. And you know what I decided? Poor is just, it's not that bad being poor. You know the worst part about being poor for me was driving a hoopty. <laughs> Have y'all ever driven a hoopty? See, if you've never, some of y'all, let me, I'm just going to find out, those of you that were born with a silver spoon and those of you that weren't, this is going to separate. How many of you have ever bought a set of used tires? Oh, thank God, I'm among the family here. <laughs> now, Campbell County, y'all probably never bought a set of used tires, but I used to call them Eagle Brand Maypops. So, so we, so, it's, it's, so if you've driven a hoopty, literally, we had a car when I was passing in South Louisiana, a little bitty car. If you didn't open the driver door right, it fell into the street. I'm not kidding. Michelle, I'd get on Michelle say, the door fell off again today. What? That was my fault. I couldn't help. We were poor. I mean, so it's, poor is not that bad. It's just driving hoopties. I had a car. A guy gave me a car, Delta 88. It was a land yacht. It was nice, but it didn't have reverse. <laughs> now listen, in East Tennessee, you can't drive a car without reverse. In Louisiana, flat as a pancake, it's no problem. <laughs> so I've driven a lot of hoopties. And when you get in a hoopty to go from the house to the work, you wonder if you're going to make it. So have you ever been on the side of the road hoping someone would stop? Come on, anybody be on the side of the road? And people blowing past you about 85. And you say, dear God, would somebody stop until you realize it's Hoof Express, man. You got to put it in B. You better be some feet because nobody's helping you. That's the dude number one. He's in the ditch dying and nobody is helping him. So first off for us Christians, Christ followers, listen, understanding how people in the ditch feel ought to be enough that we never pass one again. Because we all know what it's like to be in the ditch and need God to do something unbelievable. 
So that's player number one. We've all filled the role of player number one. I'm going to combine two and three together in verses 31 and 32. And by chance, I love Jesus. The more you understand the nuances of Jesus' day, the cooler Christ becomes. Because Jesus never had anything by chance, did he? So Jesus is talking to this. It's, what? No, by chance, a priest was going down on that same road. And when he saw the dude in the ditch, what did he do? He passed by on the other side. He didn't get close enough to look. He saw him and said, oh, man, I'm not going around that loser. Sucks to be you. <laughs> then, and then player number three. Likewise, a Levite. A Levite. The first guy's a priest. The second guy's a Levite, son of Aaron, carried the Ark of the Covenant. Also, when he came to the place and saw him, what did he do? Passed by on the other side. Now, Jesus tells this twice, and I believe for a reason. See, these guys weren't just religious. They were religious leaders. The priest wore a robe with an ephod. He had Bible verses hanging off his hat and hanging off his, hanging off his robe. He fasted every Monday and every Thursday, gave 10%, had the whole Old Testament memorized. Levite, same deal, religious leader, had the whole Old Testament memorized. I mean, but, but what were they? Jesus said both of them were passers-by. They had no problem leaving the dude in the ditch to die. Would y'all agree there's a problem with that mindset? All right, four of you. Would the rest of y'all agree? So I, I, want, I don't want to be critical, but I want to share something with you. Now, first off, let me tell you, there's a ton of people at Faith Promise already doing what we're talking about, already serving in dozens of organizations and ministries and, and, and stuff all around Knoxville that we partner with in East Tennessee. But these guys were religious leaders, right? Jesus specifically said, priest and Levite, religion will never produce loving or caring. Religion will never produce mercy or grace. Religion will produce judgmentalism. Religion will produce a critical spirit. Religion will produce arrogance. Because religion is about working your way to God. And again, there's no grace when you're working your way to God. See, when you're working your way, you get what you deserve, and everybody else is not as good as you. They're all heathens, and you're God's special person. And so they see the dude in the ditch. They're God's special ambassadors, emissaries, but obviously the dude in the ditch has sinned, or he wouldn't be in the ditch. So he doesn't deserve my help. Do y'all feel that spirit, criticalism, judgmentalism, Man, this arrogance that they walked right, right by. And I want to get, that this is going to come across harsh, and I don't mean it. I just want us to understand something. So if you're listening, say I am. This is what's happened in the South, Southeast and the South of America, Southern United States. We have church on every corner. But we have traded the life-giving love and flow of a relationship with Jesus for a religion. Therefore, that religion has produced in the South judgmentalism, criticism, and arrogance. And that's why those churches are, that's why they're shriveling up and dying all around us. That's why we're not making, that's not why we're not spreading out and winning more people to Jesus. I'm talking about churches in the South because we've changed the love of Jesus for a religion. And religion will never produce love and grace and mercy. Are you with me? Never. Never. 
I'm going to tell you why in just a minute. Now let's look at player number four. Player number four is the Good Samaritan. But Je- so Jesus, now everybody in the story is upset because they venerate the priest and the Levite. They were the top echelon in Jesus' day. And he says, but a Samaritan. Now again, a Samaritan, they were Jews that had intermarried with other races. They were biracial or multiracial, and the Jews hated the Samaritans. See, not only was Jesus ripping their religion, he was ripping their racism. That's why Faith Promise, I don't care if you're pink or yellow or, perp- or polka dotted, you're welcome at Faith Promise Church in the name of Jesus. So he said, but a Samaritan who was on a journey came upon him. And when he saw him, he what? He felt what? I'm going to tell you why I think he felt that in just a minute. And came to him, bandaged up his wounds, pouring oil and wine on them, putting him on his own beast and brought him to the inn and took care of him. On the next day, took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper and said, take care of him. And when I return, whatever more you spend, I will repay you. And then Jesus looks at not only, the, not only the lawyer, but the crowd and says, which one of the three of these do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? And the lawyer said this, the one. He didn't say the Samaritan because he hated him. I love this. See, the more you get to know the word of God, the more you get acquainted with Jesus, the more, man, the, the better it becomes. Because, man, Jesus, is, Jesus has just opened a wound, and he's now pouring salt in it. The guy says, well, the one who showed mercy toward him, I guess he's the one. And what Jesus say? Then get your butt in gear and do the exact same thing. I'm not sure. I think in the Greek it says butt. <laughs> Jesus said to him, go and do the same. He said, you want to know who your neighbor is? Everybody has a need. That's your neighbor. It's not about your address or your zip code. It's about a need. Everybody you come in contact with that is having trouble, having a burden, man, they're the ones. So this guy, he's moved, Jesus says, with compassion. Now, this is what I believe. I mean, I'm going to give you a little spiritual speculation because the religious people weren't moved, but the, the Samaritan was. I believe that compassion begins with a decision, a deliberate decision that I'm going to show compassion. It begins with actually a heart transplant because we are all born with a heart of stone. The Bible says, God said through the prophet Ezekiel, I will take out your heart of stone and I will place in you a heart of flesh and and put my spirit in you, says the Lord. See, we are born with a heart of stone. If you put two two two-year-olds on the floor and one toy, they will fight to the death saying, mine, 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 mine. Won't they? You don't have to teach that kid that. That's standard equipment with every person. And see, that's how we grew up. Mine, mine, mine. Me, me, me. I won't mind. I got to have more. It's all about me. It's all about me. And so we have this heart of stone. That's why the religious leaders didn't stop because they had hearts of stone. They had, they had religion, but they didn't have a relationship with the God of heaven. See, the, the gospel, the good news is simply this, that we have all sinned and come short of the glory of God. Is that right? Have we all sinned? 
But God loved us so much that he sent his son to die for us. So before Jesus, they were sacrificing lambs and bulls and goats and rams to pay for their sins. And Jesus comes and says, I'm the perfect spotless lamb who's going to take away the sins of the world. He lives 33 and a half years. He was born on Christmas. And then he is crucified on Good Friday, raises on Easter. And the resurrection was God's amen. The word amen means it's true. So whenever you say amen, preacher, what you're saying is it's true. The resurrection was God's amen. Everything Jesus said was true. And so Jesus did not down a bloody cross. Listen, he didn't down a cross to start a religion. He died on a cross to stop religion. That's what he died for. Man, listen, those people at ISIS... Those terrorists, they believe when they kill somebody else, they've got automatic access to heaven. How stupid. How asinine. Can you believe that killing people gains you favor with God? That's the stupidest thing I've heard in my whole life. And see, that's what religion does. It makes you stupid. Religion removes the ability to think. Come on. Jesus didn't die for religion. Jesus died on the cross so you could have a relationship with his father. Not be religious. Man, you can know God. And he said, I'll take out your heart of stone and I'll give you a heart of flesh and put my spirit in you. And what happens, man? You respond to the gospel. You say yes to Jesus. He gives you a new heart where you've never felt. It's like the Grinch. My favorite Christmas character. Michelle, put the it's, the, it's the bogus version, the Jim Carrey version. Okay, it's the bogus. The real version is the Dr. Seuss. Come on, let's be real here. I mean, it's, it's the deal. But I liked it. So we watched the Jim Carrey version. And every, it was nobody was there but her. I liked to watch it alone because I cried during the Grinch and everybody makes fun of me. But the, but the, script, but the, but the Grinch, he understood the meaning of Christmas and his heart grew. Tim says he got a new heart. And what did he do? First thing he did was give presents to other people. See, and he said he had a feeling. See, some of you that are not born again never had one of those. My wife tells me all the time, you're a Vulcan. But you know what, man? Compassion comes from my new heart, not from my old heart, because I didn't have one before. It was hard as stone. Are you with me? I was the Grinch. And so that's the deal. You respond, then you get a heart of flesh, then you get in the Word, you get in a small group, you start growing, you get a grow plan, and man, God begins to grow you. And then after a while, you don't get to be a passerby anymore. You got to stop and help people. Why? I don't know why, because that's the love of God flowing through you. And if we love enough people like that, listen, they're going to ask you about God. Because what most church people do is not love people in the name of Jesus. They argue with people. You will never argue anybody to heaven, but you will love a multitude to heaven. There's no need to argue it. Come on. No need to argue Love people. And then we say, why did you stop? I'm so glad you asked. Jesus loved you so much. He put me right here to meet your need today. I'm, I'm, I'm just here because God loves you. You take a rank atheist who hates God. Are you with me? And you pull over on the side of the road or you stop at a hospital or you meet a need and they say, why did you do that? Because Jesus lives in me and Jesus wanted to love you through me. You'll rock their atheism. You'll rock their PhDs. You'll rock what, what the, because you know what? They've actually seen now a live believer. 
So that's, that's what God wants us to do. Y'all believe that? See, it's a deliberate decision, though. It's living on purpose. It's every day getting up saying, Lord, I'm going to be a miracle today. Can't wait to see what's going to be. I'm just looking for ways to be a miracle. Just rolling on. Does anybody get that? Do y'all get that? Does anybody want to be that? Come on, somebody help me. Man, just looking for a way. See, once you've, once you've, once you've made a deliberate decision, once you've had heart transplant, you're not going to pass by the dude in the ditch anymore because you're living on purpose. You'll be moved by God. Your story, all of us have a story. Your story will explode because you'll be a godsend. Your story will be like Lola's story. Your story, because see, this is what I believe about you. I believe that you want to live a life that matters. Is that, am I, is that right or am I wrong? See, I, I believe that. And let me tell you why. You wouldn't keep coming to Faith Promise Church if you didn't want to be able to live a life of significance because I preach too hard. You'd eventually bail and go where it's easy to go to church, where all they want you to do is warm some loose lumber, put your butt on a pew, and they're happy. We're not happy with that. That's stage one. We want to see a heart transplant. That's the will of God. We want you to grow. That's the will of God. We want you to be a witness. That's the will of God. We want you to be a miracle for other people. That's the will of God. We will never, ever stop pushing. So the fact that you're still here and you hadn't bailed is because you want to live a life that matters. Is that right, man? Come on, somebody help me. I believe that. So in this drama that we see that Jesus has shot, this video Jesus has shot for us, which one of those people do you want to be? Do you want to be number one, the dude in the ditch? Anybody? No. No, I don't, I don't want to. That's why the Bible says it's better to give than receive. I'd rather have money to give than have to have to have somebody give to me. Way more fun. How about number two and three, the religious leaders? You want to be those guys? No, you want to be what? Number four, you want to be the good Samaritan. You want, the, you, want a, you want a life that matters. You want your story to count. Then you've got to make a deliberate decision. And we need a couple thousand more people this weekend to say, I'm going to make that decision. It requires intentional living. I'm going to live on purpose. I'm going to live with a reason. Martin Luther King Jr., did he just wake up one day in Washington and preach the, or, or give his speech, I have a dream? Just wake up one day. Did he fall into that? No, he made a deliberate decision. Rosa Parks, who was in the bus, and some white dude walked up and said, Get up and give me your seat. Finally said, no, I'm not giving my seat up to another white guy. She made a deliberate decision. And many of us who didn't live in that day don't know how horrible that it was to live in that day of racial segregation and hatred in America. It's still alive, though, isn't it? We just want to allow that crap at Faith Promise Church. So, Lola, you want to write a story of significance. Listen, a story of significance all have one thing in common. They're all about others. See, Jesus had this terminal disease called other-itis. Aren't you glad he did? Because, see, the other he died for was you. The other he loved was you. And we're supposed to have that disease too, other-itis. Now, let me give you a quote. I've never used an Albert Einstein quote in a sermon in my life. Today's the first time. The world is a dangerous place, not because of those who do evil, but because of those who look on and do what? Isn't that good? See, that's what the religious leaders did. They looked on the dude in the ditch and didn't do jack. Was Jesus happy about that? He said, that's what their religion produced. 
Now, they had the whole Old Testament memorized. Obviously, they didn't get the book of Job. Obviously, they didn't get that. Let me give you one more quote from my, my mentor, John Maxwell, out of the new book I told you about, Intentional Living. Apathetic people will never make this world different. Indifferent people will never live a life that matters. Passive people take themselves out of the greatest story of all, their own. Maybe they want to see themselves in the story, but they exist more as observers on the sidelines. They wish for more, but they fail to become active participants. Why? Because they are what? You want to make a difference? Then you've got to be intentional about it. You've got to do it on purpose. A deliberate decision that I'm the hands and feet of Jesus and I am going to make a difference. Love starts right here. Love starts right here. Now, some of you with all of our campuses and a thousand people in this room, some of you have been religious. Maybe you grew up in church. Maybe you learned it, went to vacation Bible school and did Bible drills and you've learned it. And you know the do's and don'ts, you know the these and thou's and you know the don'ts and won'ts, but you've never met God through the power of his son. You're religious, but you've never had a heart transplant. I'll take out your heart of stone and I will give you a heart of flesh and put my spirit in you, thus says the Lord. So if you're ready, if you're ready, heaven's open for business. So if you're ready to give your heart to Jesus, Brand new start with every head by every eye closed. We're going to pray a just a, a we're going to pray a confessional prayer with you. Not that we've already given a heart to Jesus, but so that you won't pray alone. We're going to pray with you. Come on, church. Let's pray with them. Dear Jesus, I know I've sinned. I know I'm far from you. I'm so sorry. Forgive me. Come into my heart. I confess you as my Lord. You died for me. You rose from the grave. And now I will live for you. Your love will flow through me. I will be your miracle to other people. Show me how in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, somebody give him some praise, would you? Man. Now, let me, let me just challenge you. Let me challenge you. Listen, deliberate decision. We need to make them, right? Next weekend's one of the best weekends to bring people that don't know, that, that are far from God, out of church, don't know the Lord. At all the doors, at all the campuses, there's, there are these cards that says, Stable Boy. We've, uh, Micah and our creative team shot a new, uh, a new short film. I'll conclude that with the gospel, the Christmas story. And so, listen, let me encourage you. Don't go try to get Aunt Nell to come to church. It's been going to First Church for 143 years. She loves her church. She loves her pastor. And our music will be too loud for her. <laughs> what we do need to go for is people that are far from God. Deliberate decision. Take them to brunch. Take them to lunch. Do whatever it takes. This is what I believe. I believe we have 7,000 people next weekend. Can we make that happen? Can we do it? All right. So who are you bringing? It's going to be an unbelievable weekend. So excited about it. And we're going to dismiss in just a minute. 
If you gave your heart to Jesus, if you fill the communication card out and mark that or baptism or whatever, put in the offering box or take it through the center doors to our Next Steps area. Next weekend at all of our campuses, we have our Next Step experience. If you want to find out more about getting involved, it's the last one of this year. You can sign up on the communication card to go to the Next Steps area. Hey, has it been good to be in the house of God this weekend? Come on. Come on. Are you going to be a, are you, have you made a deliberate decision to be the hands of Jesus? Are you going to be a miracle this week? Come on. Let's do it. We love you. Walk on an open heaven. Be blessed. See you next weekend.